on the Jake DeBeer show today. I'm so happy to have on Mark Schulman, who is a drummer. Uh, you've drummed for a lot of unique people in the past. Pink, most recently. Beyonce, if I recall. I did a little snippet with Beyonce, but I've mainly toured with Foreigners, Simple Minds, Billy Idol, Cher, Cheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks. Um, Pink. Of course, Pink, the last 15 years. I left that tour last year because now I actually do corporate speaking full time because I find a I found a higher sense of purpose in that. And after 32 years of touring, I've fulfilled my dream of of that accomplishment, which has been so astounding. And I'm so grateful for all of that. Awesome. So how did you kind of get involved with the drumming, you know, and a lot of people drum, of course. But how did you make it to a level where you'd be on stage with Billy Idol, people like Pink, you know, Beyonce a little bit? How do you make it to a level like that? And how did you kind of start and, and get out there, you know, get your foot in the door and make it to that level where you were networking and doing things like that? Well, I grew up playing drums. Drums chose me. It was just my responsibility to practice. Obviously, the most important thing is the foundation, the development of your craft. And develop, to develop your craft, you need real clarity on what it is you want to do and, and, and what, what your goal actually is. So the clearer you are with your goal, then you are developing the capability. I call the three C's clarity, capability, confidence. And, and if you're super clear in your goal, and I never wanted anything else. My parents were both college professors. They wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, um, an accountant, a dentist, but I just knew that um, I was single-minded to focus. My mother always said, you need something to fall back on. But my, uh, my theory was, why would I want to fall backward when I could move forward? So the people that are the most dedicated to developing their craft are the ones that have the best chance. Now, that's just the beginning because so many people are dedicated and learn all the chops and watch everybody on YouTube and post YouTube videos, but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful in a band. So I always tell people, it is critical to get out of your practice room and play with as many musicians as you can. And the key to success is your network. You know, they have this uh, saying that I've heard, your network is your net worth, and it is absolutely true. So I have always, done everything I can do to communicate with everybody I can communicate with about my skill and play with everybody that I can. And always made it a point to try to play with better musicians so they would help, you know, inspire me and up my game. So the communication is really critical because you need to find out about the opportunities. The only way you can find out about the opportunities is to be very tenacious and very assertive about contacting everybody that you can contact. But you need to have the foundation. So, you, so when you get that opportunity, you need to be able to come through. Here's a perfect example. I um, was just in a rehearsal studio playing with a singer-songwriter. And of course, being tenacious and getting to know people, I got to know the manager of the rehearsal studio. And then he said, hey, Foreigner's looking for a drummer. Are you interested? I said, yeah, that sounds great. So I went and I auditioned. And my goal was just to have as much fun as I possibly could. And also, when I audition for people, I also look at it like I am auditioning them. So therefore, I don't feel like I'm 
I'm like, oh, please hire me person. I always feel like, hey, I want to make sure that you're the right fit for me and that we fit in together. So it was like I, I auditioned them. Well, short story long, I ended up getting the gig. And then I didn't hear from them for about a month. And then a friend of mine said, you know, Foreigner's been recording at this studio next door to me. And I thought, wait a minute, what do you mean? That's my gig. So I called up the tour manager who was Mick Jones, the leader of the band's brother. I said, Kevin, uh, I thought I got the gig. What's going on? He said, well, we're recording with a producer named Keith Forsey, and Keith uses his own drummer, Tal Bergman, because he just doesn't know you, so he's not comfortable. I said, I respect that. I said, would you mind giving me Keith's phone number? Right? Most people would not even do it. Most people would just say whatever. Sure. They'd be afraid. I said, I want his phone number. I called him. My hand is shaking. I still left him a message that said, Keith, I'm Mark Shulman. I'm the guy that actually got the Foreigner gig. Listen, I know Tal Bergman. He's a great drummer. He's a friend. I understand why you wouldn't hire me, I said. But if Tal ever can't make it, give me a call. And I'll be damned. Three months later, he called me. Tal was unavailable. And he said, hey, Mark, I'm doing a session for Beverly Hills Cop 3 for the Pointer Sisters. Can you come and play? And I said, damn, well, straight I can come and play. So. I went, I went down there the next day, and he played me the track, and I charted out the track, and it just happened to be way back in the day of what they call New Jack Swing, which is like really like, <clears throat> like swinging funky stuff, and it was right up my alley, man. I charted it out. I went in there. I played it down. I nailed it in the first take, right? I come into the control room. He gives me this huge hug. From that point on, I was Keith Forsey's guy. Wow. Now, Keith Forsey as it turns out, was the guy that co-wrote and produced all of the Billy Idol stuff. And he also that you wrote, wrote, wrote and produced Simple Minds' biggest hit, Don't You Forget About Me. So a few months later, I get a call from Steve Stevens, Billy Idol's guitar player. He said, oh, our drummer's in rehab and we're recording a song for the Speed soundtrack. Can you come out and play? I said, sure. Came out and played got on well with him for the next eight years. I was Billy Idol's drummer. And then Keith Forsey, the producer called me again. He said, you know, I'm doing another track for Simple Minds for another, for the Mario Brothers movie. Can you come and play? I said, sure. Well, one track turned into the entire record, ended up quitting Foreigner, went on the road with Simple Minds. So you see my point. My point was when it came Take down to it, I, I took the risk. I was ready. I was prepared, but I was very tenacious to always be in communication and always look for the opportunities because opportunities are everywhere. You just need to really pay attention. And especially now, it's a lot more challenging to make a living in the industry than it was when, and when I was doing it in the 80s and 90s. But if you are paying attention to the opportunities and you're really tenacious about your communication and you're truly there to be of service, I realized a few years ago that everything I do is to be of service. So when I get together with other musicians, I'm looking at them, I'm paying attention to them, I'm doing everything I can do to make their life as easy as possible. It's not about how many chops can I play, it's like, how can I make the music better? How can I make their situation better? And these are some of my tricks, some of my secrets for success. And then what's your, I guess, do you kind of like more, like, what are your favorite type of songs to drum to? Is it kind of, you know, more low bass, high bass? 
what is it kind of is your preference if you had to pick? I don't know what I don't know what low bass or high bass means. I will say I just love to play drums. So I have a pretty diverse repertoire of artists with whom I played, from Brenda Russell R&B to um, uh, Jeff Lorber fusion to Billy Idol, to playing with Velvet Revolver and on OzFest when Matt Sorum broke his hand, to Cher, to Pink. So I actually have really enjoyed having a diverse repertoire and being able to play with Frank Gambale, who was pretty much any artist. Just really hot, you know, like the hot guitar player that played with uh, um, Chick Corea. So I will play with anybody that I can, unless it's something that I really am not great at. Like I'm really, I can play bebop, but I'm not going to go after playing a straight, straight ahead bebop gig because there are other people that are more qualified. But just about anything in the pop realm, I'd always felt comfortable going after. And there were plenty of gigs I didn't get, but I auditioned for everybody I could possibly audition for because you never know who you're going to meet in the audition. Like in my, if you read my first book, I miserably failed the bad English audition, which is the guys from Journey and John Waite, the singer. But the bass player, Ricky Phillips, and I stayed in touch. So five years later, he called me to play in his band. So even if you fail an audition, you never know who you're going to meet and who's going to end up calling you or remembering you for something that you might be good for later on. For sure. Um, and, and and I'll just say this real quick side note, being a podcast host, you never know if you're going to, you know, I reach out to a lot of people. You of never course. know who you'll hear back from, you know. I haven't reached out to Crystal Gale a couple of weeks ago, um, her management, because it's all through management at that point. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. And I've been charmed by some people, you know, I haven't got to have it on Apollo Astronaut, uh, the former deputy yeah. minister of Canada. That was a shock having on one of our own vice presidents. But anyways, <laughs> you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, and I kind of just spit that out there because some people are like, well, that's an adult saying it. I am an adult now, of course, but you know, even today you're an adult, it's true. but it's, it's not a matter about being an adult. My generation, you're an accomplished, an amazingly accomplished 18 year old now because of your tenacity and because you had a single minded goal. Like I said, you had absolute clarity about what you want to do. You've developed your, your interviewing shops. You worked on understanding how to interview. So you developed your um, competency and now you actually have confidence in what you do. So you have confidence to contact all these people. You have confidence when you're interviewing people. And look at you. You got a podcast and you're doing really well. So you're a perfect example. That, look, what creates success is the same in any industry. And the thing that I talk about now is attitude. Attitude is critical because we can't always control what happens to us. But at any point in time, you have the ability to change control or shift your attitude about what is happening because your attitude is what drives your behavior. Think about the power of that. So by choosing your attitude, you're literally driving your behavior and your behavior is what determines the consequences of your life. It's A times B equals C. It's my next book, The Attitude Formula. So understand that at any point in time, you know, even if you look at the, the, I think it was Thomas Edison that said, if you think you can do it or you think you can't do it, you are right. So sure. if your attitude is, I am going to do this no matter what, I'm going to be relentless because if you know that you want to do it, 
you figure out the how. Just understanding that you have a goal, and I mean a realistic goal, something that you know you can obtain and attain, as opposed to something that might be unrealistic. But if it's a realistic goal, then you start to understand and learn what the road is. You learn the path, you learn the how, and then you learn and you start to surround yourself with the right people and communicate with the right people, and you start to build it because you have the attitude that you know that you can accomplish this. And that is going to drive the behavior that's gonna enable you to understand the how, and then you're gonna achieve the outcome, the con- you know, the consequences that you're setting out to, to achieve. Absolutely. And I, don't take up, and I don't wanna take up too much more of your time, but just a couple quick fireball questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, what was your favorite memory performing with Pink? Um, or favorite venue, maybe I should say. Venue. Well, it, my, I, I, they, they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, when I got to play Wembley Stadium, because I played Wembley Arena in London many times. We played Wembley Stadium. We were shooting the live DVD. There was something really special about playing for like 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And, you know, every time I played David Letterman on the Ed Sullivan Theater where the Beatles played, because I played with everybody from Pink to Simple Minds, Brenda Russell, that was always special to me because that was the Ed Sullivan Theater where the Beatles played. So that's always been very special. I played in front of 225,000 people at the Glastonbury Festival with Simple Minds in the 90s with Peter Gabriel, one of my heroes, standing on the side of the stage watching us play. And we did a festival with Pink and Robert Plant was standing on the side of the stage next to the monitor engineer. He was actually annoying the monitor engineer because he kept on talking to him. The guy's like, I know you're Robert Plant and you're cool and everything, but I got a job to do, man. (laughs) And Robert Plant just kept on asking him questions about Pink and about the band. But that's pretty special to be be playing and having a member of Led Zeppelin standing on the side watching you. So those are a few of my, my memorable experiences. Wow. And then if you have a favorite favorite genre, what would it kind of be? Man, I love all styles of music. So same it depends thing as like on my drumming. mood. It's the same thing with drumming because sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm, the funny thing is I'm a drummer and I'm like the most corny. I love all the corniest love ballads on the planet. I will like cry to love ballad so i might put on like a corny love ballad or i might put on buddy rich or i might put on uh, panic at the disco or i might put on the dirty loops or i mean i love the hugest beatles fan on the planet um i might go to like 70s mode and put on a 70s glam playlist with t-rex and david bowie and the sweet man it just depends on the mood, man. I was For just sure. listening to the I tubes. Agree. I love the tubes, the, the band from the 70s and 80s. I love that band. So I was just listening to the tubes, you know? For sure. And then kind of and the I'll last tell you, man, I, every, every morning I wake up humming a different song. And whatever song I wake up humming, I put on. What song was it today? It was a song by the tubes called Monkey Time with Martha Davis from the motel singing along. And I, I just like, so I put it on, you know? Interesting. And then I, and then I take it all off and I do my meditation and I get, you know, I get 
focused and centered. And then I go back in a, I always have music on. I had, had music on at the beginning of our uh, uh, podcast. And I realized it's probably distracting, so I should turn it off. <laughs> but I love having music <laughs> on all the time. I won't keep it from it for too man. long, I promise. <laughs> so I guess kind of a closer question because I don't take up too much of your time. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to be a drummer? Of course, you've mentioned attitude is a big thing. What else would you kind of say? Everything I talked about is what I have to say. I've, I've literally said it all. There's no one single bit of advice. I just gave you my greatest hits of advice. So if anybody has actually watched the podcast, that is your formula. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the one other thing I just wanted to ask is, would you ever consider touring again, potentially? If McCartney calls me up, um, yes. yeah. If, if Bowie came back to life, yeah. Uh, Sting, maybe, yeah. Um, any Beatle members. Just, yeah, Ringo. any Beatle. Oh, yeah, Ringo, of course. You know, my buddy Greg Bissonette. Uh, has been playing with Ringo for 15 years. You know, if, if Greg ever decided not to do it or something happened and I got a chance to play with Ringo, are you kidding me? In a second, you know, that'd be amazing. Imagine Greg gets to play drums with Ringo. How cool that'd is that? Right? Um, but, you know, I'm really, my speaking career is so fulfilling and just gives me a much higher sense of purpose. And I get to play and I have my own all-star rock band called Rockers Collective. So I get together with musicians like me that have played with all these different artists and we get together. And we just play for fun and make some money. So that's very fulfilling as well. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Jacob Viewer Show today. A happy birthday, Jacob Party! Thank well, you. you know, at least, at least enjoy your game. After track me. <laughs> yeah, That's after you track, after one, you track me. Yeah, one yeah. lap around, which feels long. The 55 <laughs> seconds does feel really long in the moment. So I can imagine, man. Well, do great. It's your birthday, so win. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, it. man. It's Bye. my pleasure, buddy. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.